secondhand film critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I am Kayla, and I am here with my co-host... Noah. We're back for a third time uh, for our Summer of Star Wars series. Uh, Kayla, what is the Summer of Star Wars series? Do you do you know? Uh, you know, I could probably figure it out on the fly. It yeah, is a series true. where we talk about Star Wars. It's in the name. Uh, during the summer. In the fall? Okay, the summer. All right. So we are now on the third episode. We've been going through the first one was the prequel trilogy and then the original trilogy. And now we have reached the magnum opus, the sequel <laughs> trilogy of the Star Wars series. Where it series. all leads. <laughs> Yeah, the culmination of everything uh, that has to do with the Force ends here. Yeah, exactly. We will have one in August, too, where we do, like, spinoff stuff, but that one will be, like, a little more chill, you know? This is, like, the Sky ending the Skywalker saga, which is a big deal. But we are, as always, for these episodes, we are joined by a guest today. Uh, Would you want to introduce yourself to the audience, kind of just explain who you are, what you do? I can do do that, yeah. See, I I wasn't sure if this is one of those podcasts where the guests stay silent until they're introduced, you know, and so I was just kind (laughs) of nodding along and chuckling. Sometimes I watch podcasts and and you hear the guests like laughing up until they're introduced and then they go, oh, hi, I'm here also. It's always interesting to see how that happens, the (laughs) dynamic. I think that's what just happened. Um, Yeah. Hi, my name is Houston. I have a YouTube channel called Houston Coley, which is my name. And uh, it used to be called Houston Productions 1. I I renamed it recently. I I don't know why I did that. I I named my channel back in the days when it was cool to have a number in your username. Uh, Uh, Maybe it was never cool, but I thought it was at the time. And, you know, so it could have just been Houston Productions, but that, that the initials would have just been HP, you know? And so I thought mm. HP1, that's a good, there's a good flow to that. So I still sort of mm-hmm. go by that, I suppose. Uh, but uh, I don't know. These days I do videos about many different niche things. Sometimes they get views and sometimes they don't. I kind of just make it no matter what. Um, yeah. I talk about theme parks and theology and movies and Star Wars and uh, there's going to be a little women video soon, you know, oh, all amazing. that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's we love exciting. Little women. There's also, as you've seen by my shirt, I'm going to do a video about Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and the Green mm. Knight movie coming out. So that's exciting. Uh, yes. Big hype. And uh, yeah. So, you know, things happen and occur and I'm here for them. That's my summary. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like at this point, our audience knows our thoughts on Star Wars. So we're not, I'm not, as a whole. I won't belabor it too much as a whole. Um, basically, the long and short for me of it is I never was into the movies as much as other people were when they were kids, but I was a lot into the merchandising and like the toys and just like the, the idea of Star Wars. That's how they get um, you. You know, exactly. That Kenner brand, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 ingrained. But yeah, so Star Wars, I don't have as much nostalgia for it as some people do, but I do have some invested interest in it. And I like I mean, I saw all of these three movies opening night. So obviously they got me somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's basically my my relationship. Yeah, mine. I we watched Star Wars all the time growing up. Um, we had the original trilogy trilogy on VHS. You know, we watched the prequels all the time. 
which is why I enjoy the prequels more than a lot of people, I think, because I was raised more on the prequels than I was the original trilogy, basically. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Legos and all the above action figures, yes. that kind of stuff. And then recently, it's kind of funny because I always had been like, oh, I don't really care about Star Wars. And then I didn't even see Force Awakens in wow. the theater. Mm. I, like, for some reason, it just never happened. The cinematic event. That in Infinity War. Oh, Isn't that crazy? I don't know. I think that was like a... Did those both come out, like, around the same time? I don't know. I feel like that was a rough year. Force Awakens was 2015, and I believe Infinity War was... 2018. 2018? Yeah, Yeah. that was, like, college, so it just, like, didn't happen. Ah, Um, wow. I did see Last Jedi in theaters... And I didn't like it as much when I first saw it. And then I, like, saw Rise of Skywalker opening weekend. (laughs) And then (laughs) you realize. And somehow within, I don't know if it was just my reaction to Rise of Skywalker, but I was, like, really invested in Star Wars. And I was like, why do I care this much? Because I literally don't care about Star Wars, but I'm having, like, visceral reactions to this movie. So... (laughs) Now it's like, you know, I'll rewatch them or listen to the score or buy Star mm-hmm. Wars things, you know, just vibe. Yeah, it is a vibe. Bow to the corporate Star Wars empire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, there's not no shame. I, I went to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been there. I, you know, haven't been there yet. Yeah, I am. I'm probably a bigger theme park fan than I am a Star Wars fan. And I was there for opening day of Rise of the Resistance. Uh, yeah, Rise of the Resistance. That's what it's called. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, that's the ride that opened, the, the newer ride that's sort of the crazy ambitious ride at Galaxy's Edge. And I was there opening day. And I can see myself in the background of all of these other YouTubers, like videos about it and stuff. It's <laughs> hilarious. And I met all these other YouTubers who I'd watched for years. It was so fun. Um, and actually, I still have, because of the ride broke down like five times that day. And we had passes to get on it and then it broke down and so then because it broke down my family all got free tickets to come back to disney world for a day anytime and they're park hopper tickets too so they're like the ultimate ticket and so they don't expire we just have free one day tickets to disney that we're just saving for a rainy day sometime all because it broke down and then they fixed it halfway through the day so we got to ride it anyway so it was like wow (laughs) but the bottom line is good ride it's a good ride man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I want to get there eventually, someday. Yeah, I I was very grateful that I got to do it before the pandemic because mm. I've watched some like POVs of the ride with the pandemic precautions and stuff, and it was like, oh man, the magic is gone! Like because of <laughs> all the sort of the walls they had to put up and the smallness of yeah. the crowds and everything. Like you know, I hope it kind of you know they resume the way that it was um once things get back to normal and everything because mm-hmm. yeah man it is uh it is a majestic ride so mm-hmm. yeah it seems cool i guess i should say a thing about star wars i guess yeah. that's yeah <laughs> what are, what, i mean besides the theme park which yeah. obviously you have a vested interest in that yeah yeah i would say i mean i i think we're of a similar generation where i did not i, I mean i don't know 
what it means to grow up with Star Wars in the same sense as some people. Like, I think some people, like, love Star Wars since they're, like, a literal infant, you know, versus <laughs> I, I started liking Star Wars when I think it was around the time the Clone Wars movie came out, which was mm. 2008. And I remember distinctly that the McDonald's toys were what introduced me to it. Wow. So, yeah, I have the, I got yeah, those. I, I have, have some, some of those, those too. Yeah. The, yes. The hilarious thing, I have a Yoda. Do you have the Yoda bobblehead? Do you have that? Yes, I do. And the Padme one I have. And I think of the Anakin one. I think. Do do you know the 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 agony of hearing the Yoda voice clip when you click the button? What he says? I think it's been dead, so I don't remember. What Mine he says. still no. works, and it's always been weird since day one. You press the button, and he says, "May the duet be with you." And I'm like, what does that mean? And I, you press it again. And I'm like, did the thing get distorted? I don't know. But it, I think he's supposed to be saying, may the force be with you. But it sounds like he's saying, may the Dewey be with you. Go and on Reddit, like make a whole yeah. like conspiracy thread. <laughs> like what is the Dewey? But yeah, so I, I remember, oh Lord, this is going to discredit me. The first time I saw, I saw Star Wars. The other thing was my parents never cared about Star Wars at all. And mm. so they didn't really introduce me to it. I remember watching Star Wars for the first time on YouTube in parts in like 480p <laughs> back when people wow. would like upload movies to YouTube part one. And I remember it was like 16 parts, you know, it'd be, each one was like eight <laughs> minutes. And I was like, this is so cool. And then of course you get to um, Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, all that kind of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh... but yeah, I, I, I'm not someone who, um, like thinks about Star Wars on a daily basis in in the way some people do. I like almost all the Star Wars movies in different ways uh, for different reasons. Mm. I I liked the prequels a lot when I was a kid, and I, you know I think there's always a just as the kids who grow up with this trilogy are gonna not have any problem with it. You know, I, as a kid growing up with the prequels, I was like, this is awesome, and especially you know. I can't imagine a Star Wars without General Grievous and Count Dooku and Ki-Adi Mundi and all these other, like, you know, prequel characters and stuff. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think it was definitely embedded where I didn't even question, like, of course, that's part of Star Wars. And then you go on the internet, and I remember watching the Plinkett re reviews for the first time, and they're hilarious. I still love those reviews. They're they're freaking hilarious. I... I they have probably had a net negative effect on film criticism. Uh, yeah, but yeah. still, I love those reviews, and sometimes I still rewatch them because they're just so funny. So there was a period where I kind of went into like, oh, the prequels suck and they're the worst, and you know they ruined <laughs> Star Wars. And then I don't know, as things have aged and as they've become more of a meme, they've really been yeah. saved. I I've noticed that that like sometimes movies are saved by the meme. You know, like they really are once they you are. learn to just not take it seriously, you know, then you're like, ah, like this is awesome. You know, so I I think I would still say that Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are pretty awful movies, uh, but <laughs> yeah. I like them mm -hmm. a lot. And even, you know, Revenge of the Sith, I actually think is is pretty, pretty decent. Um, but for the most part, it's like this is Star Wars. I love the memes. It's fun. It has some good mm -hmm. moments. And, you know, that's how it goes. I did see The Force Awakens in theaters, and I loved it when I saw it. And then saw Last Jedi, saw Rise of Skywalker. I was I would lie if I said I don't have passionate Star Wars opinions. I do, but I would say that they only surface when I'm on a podcast and someone asks me about Star Wars. I'm not, like, <laughs> screaming from the rooftops all the time. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. On, like... 
the prequels memes too it just is wild to me how prevalent it still is like there's that i don't know if it's it's probably not new but there's that one that's been going around yeah, recently with anakin right and Padme. Oh, yeah and it's just like it's always just around it's just so. you, you they mine it from time to time and it always yeah. comes up with something new it's incredible yeah yeah it's great that i i do think that uh thanos memes will will last the test of time Everything Thanos has ever said is a perfect meme. Like it just it's it perfect. You know, and that that is what makes a good meme, I think, is when something takes itself really seriously and then you can use it in like an ironic way. Like mm. everything Thanos has ever said is very self-serious and so it's a perfect meme. And then like everything Anakin or Palpatine or any character in the prequels has ever said is very self-serious and so it's perfect (laughs) meme material you know yeah and like i don't think maybe that's why a lot of more i think infinity war is an exception because i think that one's a lot more serious in tone than a lot of the marvel movies but i don't i think that's why some of most of the marvel movies and then even the sequel uh trilogy doesn't get memed a lot is because there is a lot of that ironic humor involved it's true they're a lot more self-aware yeah yeah and so it kind of takes it takes the fun out of it because they're already self-aware i miss non-self-aware things (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true um cool so i we kind of got into it pretty much so we don't have to go too too much farther before we get into the movies themselves but at least going into the sequel trilogy i was excited mostly because the force awakens was like such a big deal that was just such a moment and i think it was interesting to watch the excitement dwindle with each release. Um, yeah. So by the time Rise of Skywalker got around, it felt like I, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to see a Star Wars movie now. <laughs> but at the start of the series, I was very excited, even though I wasn't like invested in the series. I hadn't really seen the original trilogy probably in like a few years. But yeah, I think just because of how culturally big it was and how big of a deal it was that they were bringing it back. Yeah. It kind of just got me interested just because people were talking about it. It is true. I I think they killed it with the oversaturation, you know, like I'm Mm. like when Star Wars movies were an event and it was like like a Star Wars movie, you know, that's that's what you need. You know, I I do think they would have really done well if they just, you know, waited if they did them like every two years, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm not saying this because like as a criticism of Rogue One and Solo, but more that. The placement of them in between, I think, kind of hurt yeah, the yeah. the movies just because the fact that a Star Wars movie was releasing every year was that's what kind of killed it. Yeah, and I remember people being like, "Is that Ray Jin Urso? Is that what's the <laughs> you know?" Like, it was a strange, uh, and then that that did ultimately harm the Last Jedi because people were constantly comparing it to Rogue One, and they had this mm. you know two very different visions that then were up against each other very distinctly you know yeah i don't know that's a good point i hadn't thought of that um i didn't like rogue one when i saw it and i haven't seen it since but maybe i'll like it if i watch it again yeah um so let's go to a quick ad break and then when we come back we will start with the force awakens To talk about the Star Wars sequel trilogy, the end to the Skywalker saga. Well, I think that's what's interesting is like this wasn't billed as the end of the Skywalker saga until number nine. Like I never thought about that, which just shows like how I I mean I think this is a big thing throughout with just the lack of planning on the part of Disney and just the the filmmakers. 
because it was like at the number at, at nine that's when i were like the skywalker saga that's what it's called and now we can have this box set come out yeah. and you can buy it i'm <laughs> like okay this is i see what you're doing until they release another trilogy in like 20 years yeah and then it or will less be, yeah probably <laughs> less at the rate that they're remaking and rebooting stuff now yeah well this so this was um december 20 15 and so the original trilogy was mostly may i don't remember what the prequel trilogy Hmm. was but i know the original trilogy was may releases a lot but i think that shows how much release dates have changed where may was like the big time um but now it's really christmas um and the holiday season yeah now i think about the holiday season as star wars season you know like yeah they really have had a psychological effect on how i perceive december (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting uh, that is true. Uh, it was weird last year not having yeah. a Star Even though I didn't really like a lot of the later ones that were coming out, it was just weird not having a Star Wars movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we jump into this, we're going to start, as we always do, by reading the opening crawl. Uh, I'll read this one, and then Kayla will uh, do her Grammy-nominated um, <laughs> vocals, and great. it's going to be great. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leah Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke. In all caps, I love it. Uh, Find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. So, The Force Awakens. Uh, Like I said, I was pretty excited when this one came out. The theater experience I still can remember, even though it was like six years ago. Just the excitement with like the opening. Man. Um, Even, again, like even though I didn't, have much of a connection to star wars it just was so cool yeah and everyone was so excited yeah it was great that was a great experience this movie the first time i saw it in theaters i loved it just because it was so it's so perfect for a theater i think yeah i think i i would say this was one of the last like midnight premieres i could really say was like like it was classic like theater going for me like we i remember us you know and so many movie theaters now have reserved seating which is nice and i like it but This Mm -hmm. was, I remember specifically, like, waiting in a long line to get into the theater, lining up, like, two hours early, wanting to make sure I got really good seats and not knowing if I would get good seats and everything. I remember Mm, that so so distinctly. It's so fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And, And I am, like, I'm a big proponent of the idea that movies are best experienced in community with other people. And movies are primarily above anything else, above media, above content, above whatever. They are experiences and they are meant to be had in a physical space at a certain time and certain place. And this was something that I remember so explicitly about that where I'm like, man, like if you watch The Force Awakens on your phone at home, you did not see the same movie that we saw in theaters with a crowd of people cheering when Ray caught the lightsaber at the end. Just, it's a different movie. And, you know, some people might say like, oh, well, the hype made it better or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it did. 
You know, that's the <laughs> like, point. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. So yeah, I, I remember. Uh, man, it was such a good experience and such a fun classic movie going thing. It just felt like all of a sudden we were in 1997 or 1977 again. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in more ways than one plot wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kayla, so when? How long after release did you see this one? Um, before the Last Jedi came out. No. Oh, wow. All right. All right. So two I years. I think I watched it at home and. Like, I remember watching it at home mm-hmm. and being like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is cool. Did you, I mean, I'm assuming you had some, like, preconceived notions of what you were going to think or what was in the movie? Yeah, I mean, like, you kind of have stuff spoiled on the internet pretty quickly. Right. Um, Since I didn't care that much, it wasn't like I was tracking with any of the characters or anything like that. Um, I know the things that I specifically remember was knowing or hearing that Kylo Ren was a baby and like a (laughs) minor and angsty, basically like an angsty teen essentially was Mm, how. Like his grandfather. And so I imagined him that way. I obviously knew about Rey because there was just so much talk about Rey in general. So yeah, I think I think that was pretty much all I knew going in. I feel like the reaction to this one, maybe this is just me remember like misremembering, but was just a lot I don't know, a lot more wholesome. I remember, yeah, I remember it being really pure. I, I was thinking about that as you were saying that, that I I don't know when the shift like yeah. I don't specifically, you know, with The Last Jedi, I remember it was really fast. Like within a day, the vitriol was out. But with this, I'm like, I don't remember when it started getting vitriolic because i remember on opening night opening week for months everyone being like yeah it was great you know like and it had some plot similarities to new hope blah 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 but like it was fun and it was you know everyone was was excited about the future and loved these new characters and everything Uh, you know maybe yeah again it could be misremembering but i just yeah i didn't remember that that vitriol you know I think that's a thing with J.J. Abrams because he is very good at setting up uh, Mm -hmm, mystery boxes, mm -hmm. obviously we know, um, and just worlds in general. And so like you look at something like Lost and everyone loved Lost when it first started and it was just like so exciting. And then you got the end of Lost and now you can't bring up Lost without like people talking about, oh my gosh, the ending. Yeah. So disappointing. So I think that might be just something with that type of storytelling where you have all of these promises in the first movie or the beginning and then once you don't really get the answers to the promises or it's a little off then it's not as exciting to think about the first one because it's like i know what's coming it is yeah like i I still would hold that i think jj abrams was a very good choice for the first movie yeah and um, i agree because he is good at that setup and i think that the way that the characters are introduced in this movie is so on point it is so good Mm -hmm. you know Ray's introduction remains one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. Just those first five minutes of pure visual storytelling with her in the desert and we get, we totally get what her desire is and what she wants and who she is and what she does every day and where she lives and her connection with BB-8 at the start. It's all perfect. And then Finn as well is so like yeah. very subversive, you know? I mean, we we talk about Ryan Johnson as being the one who oh, he subverted expectations, but even Force Awakens actually subverts things from the first movie where 
we take, you know, the character of a stormtrooper who had never been characterized before and give him a backstory, give him inner conflict that was really strong. His connection, I mean, within four minutes, his connection with Poe Dameron inspired years of fan theories and fan art yeah. between the two. And like, man, like that was palpable. You know, the 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 chemistry between those two characters was so well done, even within a, a short sequence, you know. And I do, mm. I think J.J. Abrams remains a really good director of actors, first and foremost. Uh, I think even in Rise of Skywalker, which we'll get to, the emotional connection of the characters is what stays strong, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Um, Kayla, any thoughts? I don't want to, like, step on On The Force Awakens? Say. Yeah, yeah. I know you like this one, actually. I do. I enjoy this one a lot. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to just character dynamics. Um, I love the dynamic between Finn and Han. I love the way that they interact. I love the way that Chewie interacts with the new characters. Um, I think C-3PO is really funny in this one. He's like in my top three favorite Star Wars characters. I love when he like waltzes in with his red arm and he's like, you might not recognize me. Now that's a good <laughs> and meme. It's like... C-3PO <laughs> takes himself seriously, so he's good meme material. Yeah, he's yeah. so funny. <laughs> he um, is great. Yeah, there's a lot of things I like about this movie. I think visually it's very interesting. Mm. Um, like, for example, the scene, wow, spoiler, where Ben kills Han Solo. <laughs> Yeah, um, all spoilers here. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know that whole scene where they come in and then the light shines mm, in through the really door strong. that yeah. um, Finn and Ray walked in, and then right before he's basically about to kill Han, the, that light goes away, and Ben is like cast in more of a shadow instead of light, and you're like. Oh my God! He's giving into the darkness. <laughs> the yeah. score is so good in that scene too. Oh my Man. gosh, that scene is probably one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Yeah, just because I think it it works so well. Every time I think John Williams has hit his like, you know, oh he'll just keep doing the same stuff again or something. You know, he comes up with like fifteen new brilliant themes, like the March of the Resistance theme. The uh, the Ray's theme, oh my gosh, I listen to Ray's theme all the time. The Kylo Ren theme, the First Order stuff, like, ah oh man, it's good in this movie. The, uh, the score is so much fun to listen to and ultimately created so many great motifs that then did last throughout the series. And there are even moments when I enjoy Rise of Skywalker purely because I'm like, oh, that, that motif, the score. that score, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, motifs can forgive a lot of issues, I find. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah, I think with this one, for me, one of the best parts about it is how it conveys such a sense of grandeur and like scope, especially like you said in the Ray scene. I love, I remember the trailer for this. That was, I remember as well. The trailer, trailer. man, is a fantastic trailer. The scene where she is going, driving by like the crash star destroyer, yeah, like in the man. sand. And just, I feel like the, the climax, everything feels big and exciting. And I really just like that sense of big, grand adventure, even if maybe the story is pretty basic. So it's not like 
I don't know if I would watch this one again and again, just because for me, there's not a ton to like latch on to. Yeah. But if I focused specifically just on like the visual storytelling and just the way that the movie is put together, I really do enjoy it. And I think it's a great introduction to the series. Yeah. Yeah. I, I maintain that it was exactly what it needed to be. I think it was, you know, tons of people have said this, just the idea that the prequels had soured audiences on Star Wars to one extent mm. or another, and people were longing for that old Star Wars nostalgia. And so you had to give them something that was familiar at the start. And I think they did a good job of that. And they did a good job of creating something that had that did have, you know, more depth than, you know, what people were used to, like with characterizing Finn and, and having some subversive choices mm. like Kylo Ren being uh, Han's son and killing Han and all this kind of stuff. And just really introduces the characters really well. I, I maintain, I think that like, I think it was the perfect setup. The idea of a, a movie that mirrors A New Hope. First of all, that had already happened. Like Phantom Menace does that too. George Lucas wanted, you know, it's the whole, it's like poetry, it rhymes. And Phantom Menace mirrors New Hope. And so I think, I still like to think that they were doing that deliberately. I mean, obviously they were doing it deliberately, but like, I think it was a perfect setup for a first movie that was a, that was, a, you know, a repeat of an older movie. And then the series would begin to meditate on these recurring cycles that continue and the, the sins of the past that continue repeating. Like, I think it would have been a perfect setup for that idea to carry through the whole trilogy, you know, and you know, succeeded and failed at that in some ways. Yeah. 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 One thing that I don't think works, and this is a recurring issue for me throughout all three movies, is the romance kind of like they're pushing in this one between Finn and Ray. And just the fact I think that there's no, well, I don't think they have any chemistry, first of all, as a romantic couple, but then that there's no um, consistent romantic plot line throughout the movies, especially for Finn. I know, that's what I said. I, I said I was like, they really made Finn a hoe in these movies <laughs> because like everyone, it's like, who are you trying to put him with? Like if you're going to have him be with someone or that's your trajectory, yeah. like actually put him with someone. Don't be like, oh, here's Ray and oh, and here's Poe. Oh, and here's Rose and here's, you know, the lady in Rise of Skywalker. Jana? Yeah, Jana. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why do I know pick these one. Like, you know, why do I know that character's <laughs> name? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, I agree. I think they do that with other characters as well, because hmm. even with like Poe, it's like, why do you build an emotional connection for his character with Finn, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's this random tr drug trader or whatever <laughs> that he was with at one point, and that is like, that doesn't really totally make sense because his character hasn't acted like that at all, and then you're throwing in this. So I think that's a good point. Um, there's not a lot, and I think that's one thing that really holds the original trilogy together well is that relationship between Han and Leia is, you know, you're kind of rooting for it across the different movies and seeing them come together. So I don't know. Yeah. That is one thing that I think Red Letter Media pointed out that they were very accurate about is the way that, yeah, these movies were kind of they're bizarrely sexless like you know they're not that star wars has ever had sex but they're they're not romantic you know and hmm. it's strange how platonic they all are and on the one hand i enjoy a good male female friendship in a movie you know but on the other hand it's strange because it's like an almost you know but not quite they never elaborate on certain things 
Yeah. I actually really like Finn and Rey in the in Force Awakens. I think they have a lot of chemistry in that. But I think it's an interesting dynamic because it's very clear that he's attracted to her in the first movie. But she, yeah, that's my she's issue. not yes. really attracted to him in the same way. And I think that would have been a great thing to elaborate on maybe in some future movies. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, yeah, I, I think I think they try to elaborate on it in, in the second one. And then Rise of Skywalker just kind of drops it entirely. Um, well, when he's like the I've I've something to tell you and oh my gosh, being like what Lord. is it that what is it that you're gonna tell her and then we just never find out. We so, never find out. I can't believe unless that. you watch a JJ a- random JJ Abram like panel. I really can't believe. Yeah, that. man, that is something else. That was a a choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I do like their friendship. I just think the issue like was the um, it was just a weird dynamic, and then it's even weirder when you watch the other ones and it's just not really addressed. Well, it's again. the whole they Disney does seem to think that in order for Rey to be a strong female protagonist, she can't be attracted to anyone. And you know that's fine. Like I'm fine with a character being that, but on the other hand, like. It just gets dropped, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Well, and then they basically force her with Ben in the end, and you're yeah. like, wait, oh, you're like, gosh. where did where did that come from? That like didn't yeah. fit. And there has always been like a very clear sexual energy, I think, in these movies, prequels especially. Um, but even I think in Empire Strikes Back, I think that's a big undertone. And so I think even though there's not like explicit sex because it's like. PG there is a sex PG, scene in like... the Last Jedi. We all know what it is. That's a palms <laughs> touching right there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's grazing. the closest we get. It's pr- it's pretty it's pretty erotic. It, uh, yeah, um, it's. Uh, I don't know why I said earlier. I think I was thinking of. I was just thinking of the Force Awakens when I was saying they're very sexless because they do actually. I think the Last there's Jedi. There's a little bit of tension. The Last Jedi has the most sexual tension in it, and it's the best because Ryan of that. Johnson knows what uh, yeah. he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It definitely that feels especially like the prequels to me. Just that totally. very melodramatic yeah. uh, romance. It's great. Um, <laughs> really good. Any final thoughts on Force Awakens? Obviously, we can kind of like touch it back on things as we go through, but that's all I have for this one. That's about all I have. I think Maz Kanata. Yeah, <laughs> I like her. She is good. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. I like the Force flashback sequence. It's good. The way they do the visual language oh, yeah. of it. That is, pretty is awesome. a cool sequence. Yeah. I remember being so excited about like watching that and like, oh man, I can't wait to see what they do with all of this. And then they didn't. Remember when Obi-Wan's voice, you hear that in the flashback? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was funny because on Letterboxd today, um, I was looking at like my stats and I was like, why is like Ewan McGregor? Like I didn't (laughs) watch like this many Ewan McGregor movies this year. And then I looked and I was like, I forgot that he like had a couple lines in some of the movies, like mm-hmm. in flashbacks. And so he was like credited for, uh, yeah. you know, Rise of Skywalker and whatever for having like Wild. one line at the end or something. <laughs> yeah, I do like um, the other sequence I like is when the trench scene basically mirrors Luke's trench run. Like when they fly into the- it's in like oh, the yeah. climax, I think. Where they fly in and then pose like, you know, going through kind of the trench. I'm glad that they don't like... I think they did a good job in this one specifically of giving nods to the original series without like overdoing it. Yeah. Because I think something like that could have been really overdone because it's like, okay, he's in the trench. It mirrors it. Oh, who's that pilot? Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like out of it. 
And I'm like, okay, that works because we got the like cool mirror of, oh, okay, this is a nod to Luke's trench run, mm-hmm. but it's not too much. That's part of the third act, but I love that the emotional beats don't hinge on the de- on the <laughs> Death Star quote quote blowing mm-hmm. up at the end. You know, it, yeah. they really hinge on the Ray Kylo Ren fight, which is such a good. Uh, Great fight. I, I maintain that I think that's probably the best lightsaber fight sequence we've ever had. I think it's so good, so raw, and. uh catching that lightsaber man it still gives yeah. me chills it's still it's perfect yeah it's really cool yeah it was uh captain america catching the the hammer yeah. before that happened it's um, true yeah it's funny how these things i really do think marvel and star wars have just been rubbing each other like the past few years you know like just mm-hmm. both have been sort of like rubbing off on each other in some ways you know yeah you can see the influences i think for sure yeah all right. Well, let's move on uh, to two years later. Fast forward to The Last Jedi, directed by Ryan Johnson. This is our king, our king, and savior. I think this is the longest Star Wars movie. I'm pretty sure. I think it yeah, is. it was either this one, this one, and Rise of Skywalker are the two longest ones. Huh. Which is weird because sometimes I feel like the prequels are the longest, just because. They feel the longest. Phantom Menace certainly feels like a long time to sit through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do yeah. that right now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's jump into this then with uh, Houston. Do you want to read this uh, opening crawl? Oh, yeah. Um, where can I find that? Let's see. Last Jedi wiki quote. Here we go. Okay. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny. Certain that that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds toward the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Escape. escape, Wow. Escape. Dot, 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 This is, it's always interesting the mid crawls because it's like how much has happened between the movies, mm. uh, especially because The Force Awakens is really the first one. Empire Strikes Back a little, but I think this one especially is like really clear that it ends on a cliffhanger um, yeah. with her like handing the lightsaber. All the other ones I feel like have kind of at least somewhat wrapped up, at least the individual storylines. But in this one, it's like, it was a pretty clear cutoff, which I think is very more modern. That's actually a, uh, I would say that's one of the biggest unfair requirements that Ryan Johnson had, you know, starting this movie off, right? Was that, um, you're right. Every Star Wars movie previously pretty much ends with the heroes looking off into the sunset and sort of like, it's, you know, the, this adventure has been wrapped up and that then allowed every director when they made the next one to sort of like come up with a fun new scenario where the heroes would be doing something at the start, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, now they're freeing Han from Jabba's palace and, you know, or uh, the Hoth rebel base and the Ad-Ad walkers and all that stuff, right? Like each one had a new, wow, there's something new at the start of this versus Ryan Johnson was given a cliffhanger that he had to fulfill Mm. because people had been theorizing about it and imagining what would happen for the past two years since that movie came out. And 
uh, you know, it was never going to live up to that, live up to what people had imagined Luke Skywalker would do. And so I'm still, I maintain that he did the most ingenious thing he could have done, which was subvert their expectations. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much has that phrase been said in a Last Jedi, yeah. like, video essays? Um, Discourse. But that is the, like, this movie, I think, because of that cliffhanger element of The Force Awakens and because of the mystery box element of The Force Awakens, I really do think that this Star Wars movie had more expectations than any Star Wars movie ever. Hmm. Simply because people had been given something to work with, right? They were like, all right, so that character, Snoke, and let's theorize about that. And I think Ryan Johnson totally knew that people were going to have expectations that they were going to bring into it and thought, hey, why don't I uh, do something new with that, right? Not just play into what those are going to be. Yeah, I do think there are a lot of like subversion of expectations throughout this movie. Snoke's death, I think, is probably like the biggest one. Love it. Um, But I do like I when I first saw this, obviously, Luke throwing a lightsaber was a subversion because you just expect him to be like, oh, like. I don't know. I don't even know what I expected, but that's the thing. Like, I think it's really the only thing that could have happened because why else would Luke have gone to the most like isolated place in the galaxy where no one like he's not going to go there and be like, actually, you know what? I'll come back and be a hero. Like, there's obviously a reason. That's the genius of what he did with Luke was he said, you know, if Luke Skywalker has excluded himself from the galaxy, it has to be that he believes he's the hero for doing it. Mm. And that was such a brilliant, you know, of course he would, you know, and that is where, I mean, again, Ryan Johnson was given all this setup and then like, all right, now figure it out. And I think he did a brilliant job. Yeah, basically. Job. Yeah. Well, when I saw this one, it was like right before I think I was really in like the film Twitter sphere. I was part in it, but I wasn't so much in it that I knew what some people were thinking before I went in, especially because I went in like opening weekend. So when I first saw it, that was just pure bliss. You know, I was loved it. Very excited. I was like, yeah. man, I'm sure this is like the best Star Wars in a while. Everyone's going to love this one. I'm telling you, I should have never opened Twitter. Should have yeah. never done it. Yeah. I should have deleted it and that it, day. Like, <laughs> it eats at your mind, too. Yeah. So like, no offense to my brother and his wife. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> But we watch this as a family, and they don't like The Last Jedi, which is fair. Everyone is allowed to have opinions. And the way that they talked about it right when we finished the movie plagued the way that I perceived the movie when I first watched it. Yeah, hate that. So then I came away from it being like, oh, maybe it wasn't... Because I was always on the side of... I don't really care what happens in Star Wars. Like, I don't care about the universe. I am just here to watch cool space fights. Like, let's get a good lightsaber duel. Yeah. Have a fun time. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, yeah, maybe they didn't, like, mess up this. Or maybe, uh, why was the Force able to do this? Mm. And it's like, why do I care? But it, it was a lot of hearing other people yeah. say certain things about The Last Jedi. And then other friends as well who had said certain things. Um, and then, you know, after I watched it again and, and actually learned more, I was like, oh, this is, like, one of the greatest Star Wars movies ever. But it, it took a bit to get there, you know, and a lot of that came from discourse that mm, surrounded yeah, the movie, yeah. which is unfortunate. That was quite a time on the internet. I do not 
I would never go back the life of me. <laughs> really? It's, uh, I mean, I yeah, like, uh, you know what I would go back to is that 15 minutes when I was, the movie yeah. had ended and I didn't check Twitter. I, I remember it being the same blissful experience that I had with The Force Awakens. Everyone mm-hmm. cheered. I thought, this is the best Star Wars movie probably ever, mm-hmm. and it's perfect, and I love it, and I'm sure everyone else will too. And then, uh, yeah, I checked, and, and it was already, I remember, like, within... 30 minutes, you know, yeah. it's just insane online. But that that is an interesting thing is like, I would say this is one of the very few movies where the internet discourse has sort of, it feels like it's bled into the mainstream, bled into real life a little bit, a little bit more than normal, where now, even in real life, like normally with Twitter discourse and like problems that people have with movies, I'll meet people in real life and they've literally never had that thought or heard anyone say that, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, the whole Twitter is not real life thing. But with this, I still, like I'll meet people in real life who are not even that online and yet they are still regurgitating the same exact arguments about this movie that I've heard online. And I'm like, where'd you hear that? And they're like, well, I watched it with my friend and you know, all this, you know. And I mean, in a sense, you know, everyone regurgitates things, right? We're, we're probably re- regurgitating things that we've heard about this movie and Definitely, said about it, right? Yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's a strange, like, cause I have watched, I, I had a friend who I saw it with opening weekend and we both loved it. And now he hates it because over the years, he's just seen memes about it online and been kind of conditioned to believe that it's the worst Star Wars movie and Ray is a Mary Sue and all this kind of stuff, right? It's like it's become such a common knowledge thing within like dude bro meme accounts, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. within the bros that it's like (laughs) no one really questions it anymore, which is strange. And it is like, it is like a political thing where you're like living in your own bubble, man. Because like the people I associate with for the most part freaking love this movie and i don't know that many people who don't love it but then like i'll meet people who like they're like wait you like that movie like i don't know anyone who likes the last jedi and i'm like you don't (laughs) you know yeah so it is uh it's a strange all my homies love the last jedi yeah i mean that's like the i remember watching the um the social whatever it's called social dilemma documentary on netflix it's about like you know social media breaking our brains I, I remember specifically the um one of the tech corporation guys being like, you know, they say, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, what what do you what's your worst fear of this? And he goes, Civil War. And I'm like, honestly, Jeez. just yeah. seeing The Last Jedi, this discourse in a microcosm and the way that the Internet discourse has bled into real life and has dramatically altered the way that people think about this movie. I think that that feels realistic to me because I hmm. go like. Like I do, I have friends who I think would still love this movie if it weren't for the discourse around it that has really poisoned the whole thing, you know? And it's crazy that I feel like I still see discourse about it daily. It's basically like, it's like The Office and Friends on Twitter. It's like one of those things where there's always a tweet about it. Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know? Yeah, there's the the main five things. Yeah. Yeah. I think with this too, it was like right around the time where video essays were really big. Mm-hmm. I had some big hits on Last Jedi video essays. <laughs> you did, you did. And there was like the Every Frame of Painting, which I think they ended like right before this movie came out. Mm. But I remember they were big. So it was like the perfect setup for people to like make videos on this. It really was, yeah. Um, And obviously like video essays, one of the issues with them is you make a video essay look professional and your opinion <laughs> yeah. is automatically like- Oh, I know that all too imp- well. Yeah, right. It's Let so- me say that again. I know that all too well. <laughs> sponsored by squarespace sponsored by squarespace oh man 
Um, but yeah, I love this movie. I remember this was like when I was just like, not just, but starting more to get into movies as like something that I enjoyed personally, like watching, like seeking out movies, watching more like niche stuff. And so I remember thinking it was so cool, like the themes that this movie was tackling, because that's what I always really wanted Star Wars to do. Because for me, Star Wars was always, it's fun, but it just never had an element that would keep, because for me, I need more of like, I don't know. I need just some other element to keep me engaged than just like fun lightsaber battles, which is fine if other people like that. But I just remember being so excited, like especially with all the Luke scenes and on the island, just all their conversations. I was like, wow, they're really doing it. I remember that feeling, too, of being like they're talking about that. Oh, wow. You know, like feeling like, man, like they're they're really tackling this head on, you know. And that was the, I, I love Ryan Johnson. I love everything he's ever done. And I think the thing that is so, I mean, I I said it before, but he took what was given to him, which was a pretty formulaic cyclical sort of, you know, it was the, it was a new hope again. And he, he transformed that retrospectively transformed it into a meditation on the cycles that repeat and the way that, you know, history repeats itself and stuff like that. And I think it was brilliant because of that. And then the other aspect of, you know, Star Wars is our cultural mythos in a way, right? Mm. It's it's the thing that I, I did a thread, y'all probably saw it one time back in like November about um the Bible and the Last Jedi, right? We did. I think we also had like Noah and I had a long conversation oh, about it not, too. Well, I that, think that vindicates me, man. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like, but it is. I, I think in in a similar sense, the Last Jedi is our religious. Like we, not the Last Jedi. Sorry, Star Wars is our religious. Like most mainstream moviegoers know the symbolism of yeah. like Tie Fighters, X Wings, Death Stars, lightsabers, Jedi, Sith. Throne rooms, you know, all, uh, uh, binary sunsets, um, marshy planet with a teacher who's going to teach things, right? And it was because of those pre-established tropes, Star Wars tropes, that we had certain expectations for Luke's going to train her on the island because that's what Yoda did. And obviously there's a striking visual parallel between the two. And that's where I think he he really does a brilliant job of of deconstructing what Star Wars is and what we expect from it. Specifically, I always, I love the way in which he uses the throne room in the final act of the movie, yeah, right? Yeah, That it is, I remember being in the theater, and it, like it wasn't a thing that took multiple viewings to get. I remember being in the theater and being like, this is Return of the Jedi. Huh, why, are, why does it feel like we're in Return of the Jedi? And then totally subverts it, right? Yeah. And I love it for that, you know? And yeah. subverting expectations has become a meme, but I think it's great. And yeah, and I also yeah. think like the reply to that right would be that well you know subverting expectations is not good if you know the thing that you're subverting it for is not as good as the expectations right mm. like or if it's you know you're doing that for no reason right and I go I personally felt that all the subversions were better than anything I could have come up with in my expectations right mm-hmm. every subversion took what Ryan Johnson had been given and made it into something more complex and deeper and more like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, mm. like yeah. Kylo Ren is the Supreme leader now and he didn't join Ray and that like, what, like what happens next, you know? And that was where I remember the last Jedi ending and the discourse was people saying things like, you know, it feels like the series could just be over. Like what, what's going to happen next? You know, like who, whatever. And I go like, that's, 
good, right? Because, like, Force Awakens ended with everyone theorizing and knowing, like, that's going to happen and that's going to, she's going to get trained by Luke and they're going to do the thing and do the thing and do the thing because we all know that these are the things that Star Wars does. Mm -hmm. This movie ends with, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yep. And I'm yep. so excited by that, you know? And it left a free range for a brilliant writer to come in and, and finish it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you know <laughs> yeah and do something new with kylo ren i think as the supreme leader would have i mean obviously there's some of it in rise of skywalker but that's like so much different than anything we've had because it's always been like this very like serious all-powerful evil lord at the throne of yeah. the dark side having a complex character would have been cool it would have been, been cool it would have been a cool <laughs> i really do with the throne room scene I think the brilliance of this movie, well, one of the brilliant parts of this movie is, so I don't, obviously with Empire Strikes Back, I don't know exactly what the reaction was that at the time, because that was one of the first like big twists. It's like was kind of started that I think not started it, but it popularized it. And so maybe it was more of a thing in the eighties when they're like, oh my gosh, is Luke going to change to the dark side? But maybe and even now that I know he doesn't, it's never been something where like I think Luke is actually gonna join Vader. Yeah. I'm like the only reason he would is because he doesn't want to die. But in this, with Ray and Kylo, I actually especially with all the subversion that had gone on before, I there's like a chance that Ray could really join with him, especially because it's like a new like he's branding it as like not really the dark side. It's like a new thing they're creating. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I thought that was just amazing that he was able to do that in a blockbuster movie like this yeah i remember um yeah just like feeling a, a profound sense of excitement about the future of star wars after mm. that movie ended and um a sense of wonder too right like it was a so often and i feel like i'm just saying things that have been said in countless video essays but like so often fans see star wars as a code to crack and a wikipedia article to read and consume but this was the first movie that I was like, the mystery is back. The wonder mm. is back. You know, I, I love the way that the force is depicted here. It's something very mysterious and neutral and has powers that we didn't know it had. And Yoda shows up as a force ghost. And it's so, I, I just remember being like, I feel like I know the wonder that audiences felt in like empire strikes back where they mm. were introducing these new powers and just being like oh the force can do that oh wow that's awesome you know and so I, yeah and part of that you know <laughs> i mean probably stems from i tend to lean you i said my bible last jedi thread i like viewing the supernatural and god as wondrous and mysterious a lot of the time right not a code to crack and a mystery to solve and a, a list of doctrine to read and know, you know. So it, I remember feeling very vindicated by that and being like, this is just, this is the wonder that I was hoping for, you know. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, Kayla, do you have any, I feel like you haven't said much about this one, but I know you do have a lot yeah, of thoughts. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, one thing, you know, not to rehash everything that's been said, <laughs> but one thing I was thinking about today when I rewatched this is it opens with pretty much this character we've never met before, who is Paige, who is Rose's sister. And she makes this, like, drastic sacrifice. And, yes, like, she dies, um, and they know that she dies. 
But even when it's happening, like, Poe, you know, he's like, drop the bombs, drop the bombs, like, we need to drop the bombs, come on, drop the bombs. And they don't, they're not seeing this sacrifice that she's making Mm. where she knows she's gonna die, Mm. basically. And I think that that sets the tone for the entire movie, Mm. is we have... You know, this character who who relatively is an unnamed character. We're never going to see her again. We've never seen her before. But it's because of her that they were able to blow up um, the the dreadnoughts or whatever it is. And, And it really struck me as, like, this whole series is about... Well, this whole movie <laughs> more yeah. is about unnamed heroes who rise up in this fight for what they believe in. And with Luke's plotline as well, that like legends are going to fade away mm. and new heroes are going to continually rise up. But really what transcends that fight is the hope that comes with it. And I think that's represented, you know, in characters like Rey. Um, who's there pushing at Luke and like, come on, we need, we need you to light the rest of the rebellion. Mm. And then you look at a character like the broom boy who has hope being this, you know, he's essentially a slave in this planet. And you're like, this kid has hope and this is the future. And this is what the rebellion is fighting for is for people like this child who is an unnamed kid, but who, you know, helped them without even, like, knowing who they were. They're just like, we're with the resistance, and they're like, ah, <laughs> you know, let me help you and do what we can. Um, yeah. And I think it just is so full circle when you think about it, because characters like Paige go unnoticed and unrecognized, but it's really because of characters like her that, the main characters are able to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I think Ryan Johnson understands that better than anyone has in Star Wars before. And he really gave a place to characters that are no-name people, which you could even put Rey in that category before her storyline was retconned. Um, But, like, she's a character that comes from, you know, like she says, nowhere. She's a nobody. She's just Rey. And, like, yet she becomes this person that saves the galaxy. And I think that says a lot about, you know, the way Ryan Johnson views stories and views morality and views hope. Bleeds into Knives Out. Yeah, which is so interesting to me. And that was something I was just really, like, thinking about today when I was watching it. And I'm like, how could people not like this? (laughs) Because this is the movie where you see yourself in it the most. Because, like, you're never going to be a Skywalker. Like, as much as I'm like, oh, I want to be obi-wan or like obi-wan it's like i'm never ever in my life gonna be an obi-wan kenobi you'll be an obi-wan kenobi to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you but like when i look at a character like ray or i look at a character like Paige, or even a character like rose um who just was kind of working in the wings and doing our job it's like those are the kind of characters i can see myself in and be like i can aid this you know hope and this resistance and this rebellion you know and i really like that about this movie because it makes me feel Mm. seen as a viewer as i'm like supporting i guess the main cast Mm. it's like go 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 but Mm -hmm. like you know 
Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. With Rose, too, I just do want to say the casino scene gets so much flack and it does not deserve it. I don't get it. The casino yeah. scene is fire. Thing, and I think just it adds so much depth to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the to the story. Like with the fact that these guys they're selling these weapons to both sides. Like that's never that's never been done in Star Wars. Yeah. Like we've yeah. never had that that element or layer to think about. It's always just been like good guys, bad guys, yeah. shoot, shoot, yeah, in the sky. But this like actually grounded the story and the war and the people that we're watching like it grounds it in reality and it shows that it's always the lower classes who are affected by war Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that this like rich class essentially can do what they want and they can fund the war and they can have their hands in everything but they're never going to be affected by it based ryan johnson based ryan johnson so based he really is he loves speaking about capitalism <laughs> in his film. He does. Yeah. He does. Yeah. We stand. I think, you know, it, it, oh man, so many things to say. I love the Casino Planet stuff. Early on, I remember the chief complaint being that it felt too much like the prequels, which I think is a great part of yeah. it. I think it yeah. synthesizes the, the trilogies a little bit to make them feel a little bit more connected. I also love all of the... I mean, throughout the whole movie, there are all of these brilliant film history nods that Ryan Johnson does, right? Um, Vertigo. One of the shots, yeah, Vertigo. Uh, one of the, you know, of course, Seventh uh, Samurai. Um, the casino stuff has a intentionally mirrored shot from Wings, which is one of the first, like 1927, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, came out. It has a dolly shot that goes through all the people at the different tables oh, and stuff. It's, it's the same shot as in Wings. It's so good. Yeah, man, Ryan Johnson knows his film history. And he knows Star Wars. Yeah, he knows Star Wars and he knows he knows film history better than any American film director, I think. And he, yeah. his wife is a film historian too, which, you know, makes a lot of sense to me. What a dynamic duo. I remember in like the height of the last, the last Jedi discourse where people were like tweeting at him or like and everything. <laughs> you and he know would, nothing about movies. He would like bring out like, he would go to his bookshelf and bring out like a book on like the <laughs> force. And he was like, yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. read this. Like he just, it just shows like how much love was put into this and thought, which I think the main complaint was like, there was no thought. It was all just like, he was mad that he didn't like the force awakens, which no, I think it, I think it is a great follow up to the force awakens. I, I, do too. I can understand not liking certain choices, but I think you would have to be an absolute idiot to think that he, he did not, think about this movie in a really detailed way i think this is probably the most well thought out star wars movie ever made Mm. like Mm -hmm. the previous ones were not thought out at all they were fun and you know this was a movie that he really had you know thoughts and things to say and wanted to reflect on the star wars trilogy in ways that had never been done before but i love what you said about the you know the little you know i was actually just listening to a lecture uh, called No Little People, No Little Places uh, from Francis Schaeffer. And uh, it's so good, but affirms that notion of, you know, that very hobbity notion that, you know, mm. the little people are the ones who are who are saving the world in the end. I love that. I, I think he, Ryan Johnson does a really good job. One of my favorite things about the movie is the way that he just allows time for these intimate little moments, these little moments of quiet that so many blockbusters don't have. The moment where Leia is just, you know, sitting at the table as Lightspeed hurdles past behind her and her cup kind of rattles on the table as they jump out of Lightspeed and everything. Yeah, it's, it's so just cool. so intimate and quiet and somber 
And then the visual language used in Paige Tico's sequence. There's a lot of wordless visual storytelling that is done so mm -hmm. well. I've watched the movie, uh, the score only version where they turn off the dialogue oh. track and it works perfectly. It some of it feels like you're watching like 1920s black and white, like slapstick kind of stuff in a way. Cause it's the, the visual language of it and the, the physicality of it are so well done. Mm. Um, but then uh, there was some, oh, the thing that I really like about the casino stuff and especially the DJ stuff is that, um, you know, over time, like I, I will say that I, when I saw the movie the first time, I thought, yeah, that's the weaker stuff. I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. love that. But mm -hmm. as I, as I've sat with the movie and as it's aged for me, I've really liked that stuff more and more because it has felt more and more relevant to the rest of the movie. I think DJ's character is a brilliant addition because he's, he's the character who has noticed the corruption in the system and has thus sort of resigned himself from the system, right? He's like the sort of true centrist who's just like, and <laughs> everything's broken, so I don't care about anything, you know? Yeah. He's the guy who voted for Kanye, like, rather yes, than choose, he definitely you know? did. He <laughs> definitely <laughs> voted for Kanye. And I think the movie affirms toward the end Finn saying, you know, I'm rebel scum, right? Like the idea of... I just think, oh man, how how all the characters synthesized together is so perfect because DJ represents that sense of resignment to the system and, and mm -hmm. the brokenness of it. And it's all corrupt, man. You know, it's all the I machine. think Luke does Get too a little bit. Like, Luke does as well yeah. and, and connects to that. Versus Rose is the total foil to that, right? Where Rose represents the optimism and the hope and the ideals that the resistance can strive to be even when there is brokenness in it. And Finn is put in the middle of this and has to choose between it. And in the end, he chooses Rose because mm -hmm. he said, you know, I'm rebel scum. And he chooses to strive for the ideals of what the resistance can be rather than resigning himself because of the brokenness. Mm -hmm. Luke does the exact same thing. He is resigned to the brokenness of the Jedi Order. And eventually he decides to strive for the ideals and the mythology and the hope of what the Jedi can be even yes. in spite of their failures. So I take so much issue with anyone who would say like, Finn didn't have an arc in this movie. Finn had nothing to do. No, he went from someone who was just on board with the resistance because he wanted to find Rey mm -hmm. to someone who is fully dedicated to the resistance because he believes in the ideals that they're striving toward even after he's seen the brokenness of it. And man, I love the way that Ryan Johnson's characters all work together in that way, right? Their arcs all complement each other and bring different conflicts out of the others and even connect characters that we haven't, that don't meet, right? Like Luke and DJ embody similar notions and yet they don't even meet in the movie, but the poetry of it still stays strong. And uh, I love that, you know, it's, yeah. it's really good. Rant over. <laughs> yeah. Good movie is my final take. Movie good. Movie yeah, good. Yeah, I could go on and on and on about <laughs> this movie. I feel like we probably all all could. Yeah, and I think what makes it great too, final thought, is like Ryan Johnson could have only made this movie as like a Star Wars blockbuster. Like it's not like he took like some indie movie and slapped a Star Wars label on it and was like, all right, now it's um, like I think a lot of Marvel movies do. So like now it's Star Wars, but <laughs> a spy thriller. Or Joker. Joker did that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's like, this is a movie that only could have worked in the context which is in. Like, so he wrote perfectly around what he had. And yeah, yeah he's a great writer. I wish I could write as good as he does. 
Yeah, I will never write as good as, as Ryan Johnson does. Man, it's, yeah. And watching his movies, you really get a sense of who he is and what he believes in. You know, just as we said with Knives Out and stuff, it's tremendously empathetic, sensitive filmmaking that critiques, but in, in a nuanced way. And I love that about him, you know. And critiques himself, too, I think. And critiques himself. And I and I think he has strong youth group kid energy, too. He does. So. He does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Very much so. That's funny. Um all right. Well, uh let's move on now to the final film in the Star Wars saga. Came out 2019, uh which is already oh, is almost almost 2 years ago now, so that's wild to me. Feels like this just happened. Yeah, so Kayla, you've been doing all of the all the music up until this point. So I think it's only fair if you get to read the opening crawl of your favorite Star Wars movie. Um, uh-huh, my favorite this is your favorite one so i gave it to you bottom of the list favorite it's 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 in opposite order lowest to highest mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right sure. uh i'll get i'll i'll see if i can live up to your standards here the dead speak the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late emperor palpatine is revenge capitalized it is. That's so weird. <laughs> General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Mm. I like the use of diabolical. I do like that word. I think more sh- more people should word. use the word diabolical. Yes. Yeah, great adjective. It's like uh, bonkers. Quite like bonkers. It's a good word. Um, I, yeah, it's just funny to me thinking about them writing these opening crawls and I know like how hard they belabor over them. Like, I think the last Jedi opening crawl was like the first thing that Ryan Johnson started on and the last thing that he finished I read. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, they worked so hard on all of like the grammar and stuff. And it's like, I'm so glad that's not me. Cause it is funny. Cause I feel like no one ever remembers them ever. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, the most well-remembered one is actually this one. For yes, the dead some speak. Yeah. I mean, it's the reasons. dead speak. Yes. That's why <laughs> the dead speak. <laughs> the dead do speak. I don't remember when I found out that Palpatine was in this movie. Um, the trailer. The trailer. I don't know if I watched was the trailer when I found though. Out. But mm. that okay, probably that was. was when I found out. Yeah, and I remember like he was in all the poster material and everything, so they weren't even hiding it. And obviously yeah. not. It's like in the first paragraph of the crawl. Um, so. It's yeah. pretty much just like Yeah, Palpatine I just remember time. I was thinking about this today when I saw this um, you know, pre-COVID, it was a completely full theater. Mm-hmm. Um, all the seats were sold out. I saw it. I don't think opening day, but opening weekend mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember when the like Ray, I don't remember if it was the Ray reveal, Ray Palpatine reveal. <laughs> Um, there was a lady sitting in the row behind me that like loudly was like, what the hell? <laughs> and that is just like my memory Great of summation. this movie is like feeling that way. And then this lady echoing my thoughts and like, it doesn't get better than that kind of theater experience. I had the exact same experience. Same. Yeah. The person right next to me 
kept sighing at things and burying her head in her hands over things. Yeah. And yeah. then when uh when they kiss and then Ben fades away, she goes, "You got to be shitting me." And then just literally she she got up and left. Oh, we stand. Wow. That's so funny. That's amazing. Yeah, the only other thing I remember is like people laughing at Babu Frick's lines yeah. and like basically cheering for Babu Frick, which was so funny to me. It was fun. Um, just the like reaction that he got because there's so little to grasp onto that when Babu Frick comes on screen, you're like, yes, yeah. this is for that, me. I feel like cynical about it because I'm like, they wanted him to be the baby Groot thing that everyone would, you know, yeah, make a big deal yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, they knew. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars has always been such <laughs> so tied to the marketing. Like I like how they didn't kill Han in the sixth movie because George Lucas was like, well, no one wants to buy a dead Han Solo toy. <laughs> Uh, and it's just like... I mean, it's a good point. It's, so it's not wrong. just interesting how much marketing I and mean, toys look how many are tied into it. I mean, spare Supreme Leader Snoke action figures there are at any clearance section <laughs> of a toy store. <laughs> Ryan Johnson um, single-handedly destroyed the Snoke the market. The Snoke toy market. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, yeah. So, same with me. Theater experience for this movie was trash. It was definitely a full theater... But definitely, even Last Jedi wasn't like, it was still Last Jedi I remember was exciting. But this one in particular just was so depressing. No, like, I think there was like three people that cheered for the opening credits. A lot of people saw them throwing up their hands. I remember there was like awkward laughter when Rey and Kylo kissed. It was like, that that was one of like the most awkward moments in a theater. The theater experience was just definitely didn't help in my enjoyment of the movie or lack thereof. Yeah, and I didn't really know what to expect going in. I wasn't like, for some reason, I wasn't super excited. And I don't know if that was because I saw maybe some early reviews of it. But I definitely was not like, yeah, let's go. I was like, let's just let's see go. what's happening. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I mean, it was the same thing. I, I was actually, I was excited for the movie, I would say, from the trailer and stuff. Until about a week before, and then the reaction started to drop. And that was when, I don't know if I... I was maybe prepped to not like it, but I just Mm. heard that my worst fears had been realized, which was that they were undoing The Last Jedi. And I was like, yeah, you got to be kidding me. My son, that was what led me in a lot less hype to see. I was just more than anything. I was nervous. I was really nervous to see it and scared. I was like, what are they going to do to my boy? And um, (laughs) you massacred my boy. Look how they massacred my boy. But um, yeah, that was I remember. Like, some people I remember being super cynical about it from the first trailer and being like, oh, they're bringing Palpatine back. That's ridiculous, you know. And But I was like, no, I think this is going to be brilliant. They're bringing Palpatine back so that they can conclude Ryan Johnson's commentary on, you know, the the cycles of repeating itself, right? And so they're going to bring Palpatine back and do something really interesting thematically with that, right? He's going to be like a a manifestation of history repeating itself and how these, you know, these cycles need to break and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to realize that the binary of Sith and Jedi doesn't work anymore and the Jedi need to evolve into something more complex and, you know, all this Mm. kind of stuff. And then... um, it just went right back to good versus evil. Like, there yeah. was no nuance. I mean, literally, it the tonal dissonance of that just blows my mind. The way in which a second movie reflects so intimately and so 
creatively and and in a complex way on the sins of the Jedi and the complexity of the Jedi and the nuances of all that. And then the next movie, it's like Jedi good, Sith bad. All right, let's go. Mm. Yeah, especially because Ray does some like a couple questionable things here, which I feel like they were. I feel like there's like five different cuts of this movie and they kind of just mash them together. I mean, they're with she blows up the transport, which you think it's Chewbacca, then it's not. What a what a reveal. The he big, was on yeah. the other transport. The other oh. one. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> um, and then my biggest thing was when she's fighting with Kylo on the Death Star and he's completely unarmed. He drops his weapon and she just stabs him in the stomach. I'm like, what in the world? It's felt like they were trying maybe to do that where there is some darkness and like the, the, having this power does come with a lot of responsibility. It was yeah. Spider-Man, but then they didn't. And it was still just Jedi good, Sith bad, even though Jedi, good, Jedi, Sith was, bad. Jedi was not always good in this. I can't believe they brought back the Jedi voices to motivate her and all this stuff. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Mace all the Windu, male voices. The jerk Mace Windu, who I hate. <laughs> like, He's why? He's a bad guy. And then she can't even decide for herself, like, to go back. She needs Luke to come and be like, oh, man. you know what? And that the, was where yeah. that was where I was mad. I remember being in the theater and being like, oh, crap. You got to be kidding. Like, I, the first, I would say the first act, first half of the movie or so, I was like, well, this isn't like good, but like, yeah. you know, it's it's fun and yeah. it's not, you know, it's not complex, but it's fun. It had a very Pirates of the Caribbean sort of MacGuffin fetch quest vibe, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was weird for a Star Wars movie. But I was like, I, I guess I'm on board because I, I like these characters. I like their chemistry, you know. Yeah. And I, I like do think planets. JJ is good at that. New planets are fun, although desert planets, yeah. they get a little repetitive. The planets um, that they picked were not great, but yeah. Uh... But then, then she goes back to Luke. Or no, the moment it turned for me was the Ray Palpatine thing. <laughs> and hearing Kylo Ren say in ADR, you are a Palpatine. I was like, are you, is this a joke? Reddit, is, is that you? Reddit, yeah. First Star Wars movie exclusively written by Reddit. And the fact, like even just the, the contrast of the way that they reveal and talk about Rey's parentage in Last Jedi. It's a really intimate scene. You've got Kylo, you know, Ben and Ray. Their faces are not covered. They're mm. sweaty. It's an emotional scene. It's very well shot and well timed and feels raw. And then they reveal that the reveal from the previous movie was false and they do a retcon in the most sterile, out of nowhere. He's wearing a mask and it's ADR and it's both like close-ups and we don't even get a sense of the geography of the scene. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I thought it was like a, a rough cut or something. I couldn't believe it. And then from there, you get to, she goes back to, you know, Octo and meets Luke again. And it's just a giant middle finger to Ryan Johnson. A Jedi's so, weapon deserves more deserves respect more than respect. that. Deserves more respect. I am wearing a bad wig and I'm blue. Yeah, there's, yeah. And I think even as far, like I didn't at this point hate it. Like this is pretty early, but the first time I really felt that was when Kylo put his helmet back together. And I was like, what in the world? Like this is, this is so like clearly saying like Ryan Johnson broke this, but we're putting it back together. It was the worst thing that I've ever seen. Well, and once again, I was willing to give that the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, maybe they're reflecting on characters repeating their mistakes. 
You know, maybe yeah, that's yeah. what it's about, right? And they're going to subvert JJ it. Maybe JJ knows at the what end. he's doing. He knows. He's got Unfortunately this. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm going to say. It's, uh... Yeah, my thoughts on this movie. Uh, there's a lot of them. I told myself that I would not get very angry when I was recording this. There are a few movies that make me rant. Um, this is one of them. And I bring it up all the time in stuff. Uh, usually in relation to the Poe storyline and his relationship with Finn is kind of where... I get more viscerally angry, but one thing that I wanted to talk about, which I think I talked about when we recorded a Rise of Skywalker episode, but it's been so long that I don't really know. I listened to it today, so let's see. You'll probably tell me, because I feel like I had this problem then, Um, but it's what they did with C-3PO. Yep, you did. did. Uh I think that it was a crime, because... (laughs) C-3PO, and even, I mean, you can comment on, like, R2 um, has not really been in this series, um, which I know, like, BB-8 obviously takes on that role, um, but I think that R2 maybe could have been included a little more, except for his scene where it's like, oh, I have the map, like, what? Okay. Um, Dora the Explorer style, man. Or the, Ryan Johnson gave him his only good scene in the whole trilogy, which is when he plays the... The help me, yes. Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Yeah, he actually oh. influences the story. He influences the story. He makes a character decision. It's like yes. Ryan oh. knew what he was doing. Again, I love R two, um, but I love C three PO, and he is just a chill dude. And he hates war. He hates battle. He hates fighting. He's scared of everything. But he willingly follows his friends, um, and this is something we see in the prequels, it's something we see in the original trilogy, and something that we kind of semi-see, I would say, in scenes maybe with, in the earlier two movies even. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this movie, they're like, just kind of string him along for the ride, and there's not a lot of depth to him, and not that there's a lot of depth to 3PO in the first place, um, but I think he does have an ounce of, you know, care, and these are his friends, and he'll do what it takes to help them even when he hates it. And then when they find out that he can be reset and say what they need, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we have to do this with no second thought. And they're just treating him terribly. And then he says, I'm taking one last look at my friends. And it's like, these are not your friends. They're not your friends. They're not treating you well at all. And they did this this dude so dirty. (laughs) But it's like, I know that he, he's a droid and it's like, he is a machine. But uh, one thing that I love about Star Wars is that they value all the characters, um, not just Mm. the human characters. And... If this was one of the human characters, I would guarantee they would have found any other way to do this besides wiping their memory. And they didn't even, like, recognize the fact that, like, C-3PO had all these memories of, like, you know, Obi-Wan and Luke and Anakin and Leia and Han. And you're just like, 
oh yeah, we'll just wipe his memory. It's like, in what world do they you don't make feel the weight of it at that all decision? Either. And I think that is really sad. And yeah. I think it is a testament to this movie and the problems I have with it in general is it just loses a lot of the emotional gravity of the decisions that the characters make and a lot of the connection they have with each other and to each other because there's just a lot of like animosity happening in this movie it's weird. for no just reason. They're mad at each other a lot. Yeah, yeah. this is a very Poe mean movie. and Finn movie. are mad at each other. They like retconned Poe's character and made him very selfish where yeah. he's never been a selfish like he didn't learn character anything before. From the, from the previous movie. He yeah. has Ugh. he is a very prideful character, but pride and selfishness are very different things. And the way that they make him in this movie is so uncool and, like, rude, and he's, like, kind of annoying. And Poe's one of my favorite characters. And it frustrates me that they kind of didn't take as much care with the emotions of the characters in this movie, I feel like, personally. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, that's reflected in the 3PO scene, and that makes me very frustrated. And then it's like... There was actually no risk at all because then R2 just like backs up his memory. Yeah. And it's like, what was the sacrifice? Like, why did you? Do yeah. I don't know. It just is like. There's a lot of moments like that in the movie yes. where it's like, now cry. And then they undo it before the end of yeah, the movie. Yeah, like the Chewy, the Chewy like death the Chewy was thing. one. What it's the like. Heck? I remember that was the weirdest, like, just. <laughs> so I thought wild. I was like, I thought I was high or something. Like, just them saying. Oh, he must have been on a different transport. It's I was so like, is this an dumb. SNL sketch? <laughs> what is going on? I, and like... I think that was kind of when I realized the way the movie would t would go. Because that ha Chewie's death, quote unquote, happened pretty early on in the movie. And at that point, you're like, oh, holy shit. Like, they're raising the stakes really high from the beginning. Like... Killing off Chewie. And having like, Ray kill him, too. Yeah. Like, a like our that hero. is so, like, deep, and there's so much to that, and then they just are like, oh, no, just kidding, and it's like, oh, wait, so there are no stakes in this movie at all. So how am I yep. ever supposed to believe that any of this other stuff that you're taking risks are actually going to follow through as a risk? There's so, yeah, so that's, like, the first thing, and then there's the C-3PO thing, and then there's the times where they force heal. And so by the time you get to the climax, I feel, like, no sense of anticipation or, like, I don't know, yeah. excitement, because at that point in the movie, they've, they've established, all right, there's zero stakes in this movie. People don't die. I mean, Kylo dies, but, like, after, like, he dies, like, another time. And it's really unfortunate that this is the end of the Skywalker saga, and it's, like, the least engaging climax. Least interesting one. It's so disappointing. I remember that sense of bizarre animosity feeling like in the theater when uh, Poe says, I'm not Leia, and then Finn goes, that's for damn sure. Yes! And I'm like, oh my god, Why are you so it's mad? It's very bro? weird. Like, it is why very are you mad? weird. And I think that was, like, J.J. doesn't know how to have characters have relationships without them yelling at each other like he's Either like yelling at each conflict. other or hugging yeah you know like yeah that. yeah the other the other thing today when i was watching this because i hadn't watched this since the first time i yeah. watched it because i had refused until today for this but one thing that bothered me about the relationships too is that each of the characters emotional turning points um or at least the supporting characters so like poe and finn specifically i'm thinking of 
they were directed by new characters in in the movies. So mm. like Poe's um kind of I guess instilling hope where he lost hope was from this random lady that like we have no emotional connection to. Like I'm supposed to believe as an audience that this random lady that Poe has not seen in years who like was in a criminal trade with him that like maybe he slept with is going to instill hope with him over someone like having this conversation with Finn or having this conversation with Leia or having someone who actually yeah, shapes yeah. him instead of and then the same was with Finn and the new character they introduced who used to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, I literally had already forgotten her name. Who's maybe Lando's daughter? Uh, question, question mark. mark. Who yeah. he's flirting with, I think? <laughs> question mark. Yeah, so that was like, for me today, I, I that because that was something I hadn't noticed the first time, but I was like, why are these random characters who we have no emotional investment mm. in being the emotional turning point for our leads who should be turned by, I don't know, something else. The people that we've built up for three movies. Yeah, just very weird choices being made in the writing and in the development yeah, of the yeah. characters. Yeah, and even the Janna thing is so weird because they they humanize more stormtroopers and then they go murder them at the end. It's like, man, I mean, y- There's totally. a lot of morally gray it's area so, there. This whole trilogy was a brilliant setup for a, a final movie where they free the stormtroopers and they all turn against the Empire and there's a grassroots movement and all this stuff. I mean, that's what the original... I mean, we haven't talked about the original Trevorrow script and everything, which I think mm-hmm. is uh, messy, but leagues better. better. It, better it has something yeah. to say, which is nice. Um, and it's like... Yeah, like just the, it, it felt like, especially with the stormtrooper thing, they dropped the ball on any conclusion to that. The thing that pisses me off the most is the whole, the fact that all the ships show up at the end mm. and uh, it's just a yes. bunch of faceless ships. Yes. And yeah. they. It's Dunkirk, it, baby. It, yeah, they want it to be, they want it to be Dunkirk. They want it to be Endgame. And they're like, now clap because you see a bunch of CGI ships. And I'm like, like, I've seen people say like, this is the most beautiful moment in all of Star Wars. And no, I'm like, it's stupid. I don't know who, who anyone is who's there. Like, at least in Endgame, you know them, which is a I'm thing. I'm sorry, but you're telling me they didn't come when Leia called them, but when Lando's right. like, I have friends in the galaxy, well, that's it's like, the biggest. fucking Lando, like, instead <laughs> of Leia? <laughs> I cannot believe. I mean, it's, it's like, like, I don't, you know. I watch movies and, uh, you know, 90% of the time I go, I could not have, even if it's a bad movie, I go, I probably could not have done that better. You know, this is like one movie where I go, there's so many obvious things that you do to conclude this franchise and, and tie these movies together that you just didn't do. Like I could have done that, you know, like the yeah. whole notion of the second movie ends with Luke Skywalker and the legend of Luke Skywalker inspiring the galaxy. And it's all about how even though the Jedi had failures and Luke failed, they can still inspire hope in people. And it's the truth of that hope that can that can ring throughout the galaxy. And then at the end, they come not because of that, but because uh, Lando called them, I guess. And then, yeah. like, they see the the puppet show on, um, oh what's the, the planet, um, the new one? I mean, it's Jakku times two. Yeah, yeah, the with the, ne- with the necklace or whatever. Yeah, Jakku yeah. squared. And, um, 
they see a puppet show and I'm like, it should be Luke. It should be them doing the Luke thing, right? Like that's yeah. a brilliant, it would have been they're acting out the Luke and it's not, it's just like something random. And I go, how many missed opportunities can there be in a movie? You know, I, <laughs> I yeah. just, I think it's like, this is a bad movie anyway, but it's just even worse when you put it in context with the other two and just how nothing lines up thematically, nothing lines up character wise. They just throw in, again, with the relationship thing, they just throw in two random characters for the characters to maybe get in relationships with. I don't know. Maybe at the end, after the movie, Will, they'll start dating. And, yeah, it's just a really sad ending. Because the first movie movie is so filled with hope. And you're like, this is going to be dope. And then the second movie is still filled with hope, but, like, in a more complex way. And it's like at you thinking. And then this movie just has like, I feel nothing watching this movie. This but is Noah, like at don't the end. forget that we got our first openly gay kiss on screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a Representation, movie. baby. Yes. I, um, I, I really do think it's the most sterile Star Wars movie ever made. It feel, well, okay. Phantom Menace is pretty sterile, but like. <laughs> It's it feels like a product more than anything else. The last Jedi feels like a vision and you can dislike that vision. I'm fine with that. You can dislike the choices, but it's a vision. It's an artistic Mm -hmm. vision that someone made choices. This movie is a product and I put it up there with, you know, level of something like Joss Whedon's Justice League. I I really do see them as almost exactly the same. Both of them just utter products created by studios no artistic choices made. In fact, artistic choices crushed intentionally by <laughs> studios. Terrible editing. It is a disaster of a film in terms of just the continuity and, and the way that the whole thing is like pieced together. It feels like it's five movies pasted together with different cuts mm-hmm. and things and just weird retcons that you go, did they write that really late in the game? Yeah. Like, I don't know what the yeah. thing is. Yeah, I, I really... I didn't expect to get mad. I hate this movie, man. Yep. Really it makes do. me I've I've steered clear of the things that make me the most viscerally angry because like no one needs to hear me rant. <laughs> Rose being sidelined? Yeah, no one needs to hear me rant about that. I'll yell about it for days. No one needs to hear me rant about Finn Poe and the erasure of everything that was built in their relationship. Yeah. I've said it a million times before. It makes me angry. And I don't like feeling that way. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like the way that this movie makes me feel. And again, the ironic thing about this whole podcast and this episode and this discourse in general, right, is that I don't want to be the vitriolic fan about the Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker that that I experienced with the Last Jedi, right? I like I'm, I feel embarrassed of myself in this moment as I'm speaking because I'm like I'm doing exactly what they did with the Last Jedi. I'm just a big jerk kind of, you know, shitting on this movie and saying how terrible it is and all this kind of stuff. But I think the thing that is different for me, I mean, so first of all, that's a point, right? Like, I don't want to be toxic about this. If people enjoy it, whatever, that's cool. Yeah, right. I'm not mad at people for liking it. And I'm perfectly willing to ignore it, right? Like, for me, the series ended with The Last Jedi. I literally never think about this movie until someone asks me about it and then I get mad. But like, (laughs) I, I, it's out of my brain for the most part, you know? And I like it that way. So, you know, I, I'm not like irrationally mad about this on a day-to-day basis. I think the difference is though, that the stuff that people were mad at about the last Jedi 
was that it made choices they didn't like and that it it had you know it reflected on things in a way that they didn't like the stuff that people are mad about with this or the stuff that i'm mad about with this movie is that it has no choices it's a nothing of a movie it's a it's a product with no vision and that's for me far worse than any movie that could have been you know like i i will take a movie that is bad and makes artistic choices strong choices any day over a movie that is just a product trying to make sure that you know it feels like such an insecure movie. That's my yeah. biggest thing, right? Yeah. It feels like, guys, please don't hate us. Please, yeah, please <laughs> like, like us. You know, no more, no more discourse. You know, we're not doing the thing. We promise. And that is, I mean, that's the principle, right? Is when you try to please everyone, you please no one. And mm. yeah. yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah, I think in the process of not making choices, this is like my final thought. It does make thematic choices in doing that because it sidelines Rose and it brings the Skywalker thing back into it, which is the whole heritage thing. And so it com- in doing that, it basically says like, it's like a big middle finger to the message of the last Jedi, which was that the f- force is not something that is determined by where you come from. The fo- you don't get the force through nepotism basically. Yep. And like we were saying with the little people, they are the ones that make the difference in the fight. And in this movie, it's like, actually, no, it's just if you are a Skywalker or a Palpatine. And it's basically like if in Harry Potter, in the last movie, they were like, all right, the Neville or whatever is um, actually this, like, related to this long bloodline. And he's point. a pure, yeah. he's the a pure blood, The reason that Neville basically. can fight evil is because actually he's secretly a Malfoy. That's the... Yeah, uh... exactly. Like, he's a pure blood, and they're embracing that. Like yeah. very, I mean, gatekeepy is not the right word. It's a lot more like toxic and evil than that. But it's ethnic it, cleansing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just not a good feeling message. And so yeah. that's why the ending really, beyond the fact that they don't feel anything, it just feels like kind of gross. Because I'm like, this isn't inspiring to me. Because yeah. I I'm not a Skywalker, or I'm not like from this long line of famous, powerful people. Like, so I guess I can't do anything anymore. Yeah, it's like they just make decisions without thinking about, like, the consequences and how it affects everyone else in the story and how it affects the characters. They're just like, oh, we do this, we do this, we do this. Yeah, yeah, I'll say, now that we've, like, shit all over this movie, or I have, (laughs) you know. Can everyone say one nice thing? One thing that I do like, there's a couple things I can give some some room for. The score, obviously, the sound design, I think is incredible. Um, I do think the lightsaber duel up until when Rey stabs Ben in the stomach is cool. But I do really like the way that I, I think their connection is cool. Uh, I yes. have a couple questions yeah. about how it like can, you know, it transcends into some of the ways that it works. Um, but I think the scene where, you know, he's on the planet and hits the berries it's and so they good. fall yeah, onto that. the floor and then the mask falls into where he is. I think that part is yeah. really cool. That's um, awesome. The way they utilize her handing him the lightsaber behind her yeah. back. It's really I think good. that is cool because it's clever and unique. That's one area where they took what they had and did develop it instead yeah. of just throwing it in the trash. Yeah, that and was the one thing. That's the one thing I've heard everyone like, right? I, and it's like, that was Ryan Johnson thing. Uh, okay. That was his idea. <laughs> 
Um, but then the other thing that I do really like, kind of surprisingly, uh, uh, is the scene with Han and Ben, where he's basically, you know, telling him to turn to the light. I, I think that scene really works um, here. I think it's reminiscent of, you know, Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi scenes um, and, and stuff like that. So I, I think that that was a good scene. But that's about as far as it gets for me. That's the extent... Um, again, if you like, if anyone listening likes his Rise of Skywalker, I don't think, I'm not mad, you know, like, at the end of the day, these are just, like, supposed to be fun movies. I think that Patrick Willems' video on this movie was a great video, and a good kind of medit- meditation sounds, like, really pretentious, yeah. but, like, yeah. a good, like, <laughs> um, Hey, I've used that word a few times this episode, so, Yeah, you know. okay, I'll say meditation <laughs> on what Star Wars can mean to individual people, and you don't have to... Like kind of like with a comic series, you don't have to like accept everything if it's not for you, Um, which is kind of the attitude I try to take into like movies in general. So yeah, this movie just was not for me, which sucks because like as thinking about the whole trilogy, this was shaping up to be probably my favorite trilogy, Um, mostly because like I don't have the nostalgic connection to the originals. And then prequels obviously are have their issues. And so if this movie was even just decent, I could easily say this was my favorite trilogy. Yep. Um, but I the agree. fact that this movie is basically terrible all around, I can't say it's my favorite because it just doesn't have like the ending isn't good. Um, yep. So I probably have to say the original is still my favorite just because at least that one feels more consistent throughout. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, you know, the originals still have some level of inconsistency i mean they were not planned out and it shows at points such as luke kissing leia uh hello and (laughs) but they have a vision and that's what makes them good and you know i i do like i i think it is man alive i I have seen some tweets in my day i have seen some tweets in my life they have said like things like rise of skywalker is the best star wars movie ever made and i go are you aware the level of brilliant, groundbreaking, history-making filmmaking that occurred in the original Star Wars trilogy, especially with New Hope and Empire? Like, yeah. absolute history-in-the-making level stuff. And now you're like, this corporate product is better than all that, right? <laughs> I go, I can't believe... And that is where, like, the reason I would praise The Last Jedi so highly is because I think The Last Jedi is a such a rare case of a corporate blockbuster letting an auteur do what he wanted to do. You know, up there with like Blade Runner 2049 and a few other very spare movies that have mm-hmm. been big budget in the past 10 years and actually had a vision that was interesting. Yeah. Black Panther, you know? I think, is part is in yeah, that category yeah, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on a lighter note, what we've asked every guest <laughs> before we end the episode is what do you think your lightsaber color would be? Hmm, man, you know, I am a normie basic boy and I like vanilla ice cream and chocolate chip cookies. So my choice is blue because blue is my color and and I love blue, you know, fire. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good choice. I thought it would be yellow, but you know, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, my favorite one from the movies. Yeah, Yeah. the best, the best one. Awesome. Awesome. 
Uh, well, thanks for coming on. This was a. I was excited to talk about this, even if like I don't. I mean, I obviously don't like the last one. I think they're very interesting to talk about because they're examples of corporate products that are very controlled and Mm -hmm. also not Mm -hmm. controlled. And then like how fan responses react to that. I'm a big fan of like examining really popular media, like in through the lens of how I don't know. It's just really interesting. It's definitely something that people will look back on in 50 years and like have a really yeah. Star Wars is. Above anything else, it is an interesting cultural artifact, and it will always be interesting to talk about until it becomes totally not special, you know, which yeah. Yeah, I do think might happen. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, it when, is, when uh, they're turning this much content out now, it's, yeah. it's a little hard to I'm encouraged by the fact that it seems like they're pulling back a little bit going forward, um, which is good. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's always interesting to talk about. I, I want to emphasize again that like, I hate the toxicity around this stuff, and I do have strong opinions about The Rise of Skywalker, but, like, I'm going to forget this as soon as I get in the car. (laughs) Right, yeah. I'm not going to forget you and your kind hearts (laughs) and souls, but I will be forgetting The Rise of Skywalker because I just don't think about it. And um, I think that's the best thing you can do about movies that you don't like is just not think about them. Um, And not tweet about them. Just be like, yeah. All right. It happened yeah. and it's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, is there anything you want to plug uh, before before we get out of here? Well, we can put them in the description too, but you can say them as well. Well, let's see. Uh, the YouTube channel is Houston Coley. I've been doing semi-weekly videos. And then um, I've been really developing a Patreon community. I don't usually plug my Patreon, but these days, like, I've had a lot more people pledging because of recent videos and been trying to reach out to each person individually on the on the Patreon and stuff. And it's just been like, I feel like there's a sense of warmth around it and personability around it that has just been really nice. Like a community is actually developing. So that's my um, not so subtle plug to tell you, give me money online. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so, you know, YouTube, Patreon, Twitter, if you want to, you know, torture yourself, you can go find that. It's at BlockbustedPod. And uh, that's all I have to say. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you for having me on, though. This has been a pleasure. And I I always, yeah, I'm just very flattered when people just want to talk and hang out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I th- You added a, a deeper level to some of our conversations. <laughs> so very enjoyable. If anyone listening here has thoughts on what we said or these movies, as long as they're nice, send us an email at secondhandfilmcritics at gmail.com and maybe we will read it in the next episode. Which, speaking of which, what is our next episode, Kayla? Um, Our episode after this one will be a review of another big blockbuster movie <laughs> from Disney. Wow. Next big studio, uh, that will be Black Widow. <laughs> ah. Kayla's favorite Marvel character. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, she's definitely not, not my not. absolute least favorite, but she's not up there in my top. Who's your least favorite? Happy Hogan? Oh, um, no. <laughs> See, I like Happy Hogan. Yeah, I like Happy's Happy. great. Probably, um, I don't love Clint, but that's just like him in- How dare you? In the How movies, you? you know? I think he's kind of uncool. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's a lot of characters I don't like. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, if that is your thing, just go to any, um- social media we're on facebook instagram twitter uh and search secondhand film critics and we should pop up they're different handles because you know people take handles but Classic. the name is the same yeah um and then also just follow us on your favorite podcasting service and leave a nice five-star there review because 
it helps us. Well, until next time, I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. And I am Houston. And, and we're, we're your, your second hand film critic.